0: And it's just a matter of how customized it's going to be based on the price point. So there's really something for everybody. Thank you guys. Let's get on into the episode. Into today. Yeah, fighters. What's going on, everybody? Another episode of the Life of a Fighter podcast. Before we jump into today's podcast, this episode and every episode is brought to you by the Life of a Fighter website. We have all of our awesome content on there from our Fitness Nutrition Vault to our free blog content to the podcast articles to YouTube videos and all that fun stuff. We also have our shop where you can check out all of our awesome products and services and get access to things that you normally wouldn't get access to. We have our awesome clothing line. You can check that out at LOF clothing.com. We also have a link on our main website. You can also check out more info about our coaching services by clicking the Get Started tab. That's where you can check out a little bit more about some of the things that we offer. You can put your information in. I can touch base with you, either get on the phone, text or email, have one of our coaches do it as well and talk about what the best program probably would be for you, whether it's with us or somebody else, just kind of getting you in that right direction. And then also, if you want to support the podcast or support those that support us, you can check out below in our description. We have all of our supporters. We have other great ways to support the podcast to keep us going. Um, If you're interested in that, and if not, I just always like to say I appreciate you guys. Check us out on social media as well to get some more awesome, exciting news and things going on. Our newsletter as well. Put your email in. We'll get you going. And yeah, y'all, let's jump into this podcast. Yeah, fighters. All right, let's jump into today's topic. Talking about memories and a little bit about not only how they're stored or where they're stored, but um, the anatomy associated with that. So um, we're going to look specifically at three different types of memory Um, first is explicit and break that down into different types and what that means then we're gonna go into implicit memories and then we'll finish up with working memory Um, so first explicit memories are usually about events that happen to you which is episodic and then they're also about general facts and information which is semantic Um, so for example going to get a cup of coffee would be episodic. You remembering that you got coffee this morning, episodic, explicit memory. You remembering that, uh, let's say, eight ounces is a cup would be more semantic, so general facts and information. There's three important areas associated with these memories and how they kind of work. The hippocampus, the neocortex, and the amygdala. And we'll kind of jump into... Not just those areas, but kind of what they're responsible for in a little bit. Um, but first, I just kind of wanted to run through them. Then we're going to go through implicit memories, so such as motor memories, like um, remembering how to tie your shoes, how to ride a bike, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, rely on the basal ganglia and the cerebellum. And then lastly, short-term working memory and really long-term working memory, I really think that... Um, Eli, the PT, Pace brought up a good point of, you know, it specifically says in the, in the text and I'm kind of quoting here, and I can put references below if you guys want to check them out, um, that it's work uh, short-term working memory, but the, the concept and the ar- argument and the, the thought of short-term and long-term working memory is both re- relevant, I think, in this sense and how it works, but it's just specifically citing short-term, so the examples and kind of breakdown might be kind of weighed heavily towards that. Um, So, yeah, so short-term working memory relies most heavily on the prefrontal cortex. All right, so, again, those are the three different types of memories, kind of broke down a little bit about what they look like and where they take place in the brain or what areas are responsible for storing them, recording them, all that fun stuff. First, let's look at, again, explicit memory, and then we're going to dive into the hippocampus. Okay, so the hippocampus, hippocampus is located in the temporal lobe. And again, it's where um, episodic memories are formed and then they're indexed for later access. So remembering, again, what we have for breakfast, what was going on, we can recall that for later. Um, or if there was something that happened there, like people you interacted with or t- things along those lines. Um, episodic memories are autobiographical memories from specific events in our lives. Again, coffee example. Then we kind of look at the neocortex, which is really an interesting um, part of the brain. And the neocortex is the largest part of uh, the cerebral cortex. And it's a sheet of neural tissue that forms the outside surface of the brain, which is really kind of cool and interesting. And also looking at like surface area, the way that works, and especially how the brain has grooves or wrinkly appearance. Um, So it's very distinctive in higher mammals. And it's actually been um, the most recent Part of the brain to evolve. Wait, no, I'm actually, I think I'm jumping ahead, honestly, guys. I got a little excited, I'm not gonna lie. Jumping back to my notes, I'm gonna make sure, um, I think I messed that up. So, uh, it might actually be the Cerebellum. wait, wait for it. No, I lied. It's the prefrontal cortex. Yeah, obviously. Okay. I should have known that. All right. Y'all. So we're just going to keep that in there too, because I think it's, you know, it's funny. And, uh, I like to be transparent that I have notes and everything's not coming off memory anyways. So neocortex, it's again, kind of like uh, neural tissue, on the outside of the brain and it's also involved in higher functions such as sensory perception general uh, or generation of motor commands and spatial reasoning and even language um, so communicating for example um, we're, we're going to get coffee um, not only being able to communicate that as part of this, but also just the layout, spatial reasoning, like getting your um, hand to your mouth, uh, things like that, neocortex. And the other piece to it is that um, there's a transfer of hippocampus memory, what's kind of being stored there transferred over to the neocortex as general knowledge. So things like knowing that coffee provides energy or that caffeine jolt is being transferred over from the hippocampus to the neocortex and, and utilized. So it's interesting how, again, pieces of the brain tie in for different phases. And it's interesting, to think it's almost like a protection or a defense mechanism so that if one area gets damaged, there's still other areas that can operate and they're, they're not necessarily... I mean they're reliant upon one another, but they can still individually operate so pieces can still be there. And and I'm sure diving into other studies and texts there's way to like again neuroplasticity, reroute the brain and take advantage of other areas that may not be working properly. So it's it's really interesting again looking at how this all gets laid out and um and utilized. Anyways, so let's jump into the last part for explicit memory, look at, looking at the amygdala. And the amygdala is a very small or smaller uh, almond-shaped structure in the brain's temporal lobe. So again, going temporal lobe, attaches emotional significance to memories. So joy on your birthday when a situation happens this is particularly important because strong emotional memories are difficult to forget. So again, kind of another tie-in to a creative – not creative – or an interesting way the brain – um, kind of works and how it brings in another piece to help with um, either strengthening a memory or making it more lasting which for most times I'm sure in, in primitive senses was an evolutionary benefit so you can remember hey it was really upsetting when you know this situation happened. So I'm never gonna have that happen again um, anyways whatever or really exciting when this happens like oh man food's amazing I'm gonna remember where I got this food uh anyways Still more emotional, I guess. That's maybe not as emotional. Um, So yeah, that's to kind of sum up explicit memory, you have the hippocampus, the neocortex, and the amygdala. Let's jump into implicit memory. And again, the two areas over here are going to be the basal ganglia and the cerebellum. So the basal ganglia are structures lying deep within the brain involved in a wide range of processes such as emotion reward processing, habit formation, uh, movement and learning. So, um, it's particularly important and involved in coordinating sequences of motor activity, i.e. any kind of physical movement, right? Um, so throwing a jab, cross and boxing in wrestling, drop step, um, basketball, any kind of drills, musical instruments, having your hand coordination, all that fun stuff. So, um, this is also the key part that's affected by Parkinson's disease, which is, you know, again something I've spoken to in the past. That one thing I'm kind of grateful for of working at, and with Pace and the participants there, and having Parkinson's patients there. Not grateful that they have it, but obviously grateful to be able to see the experience and learn from it, and and make an impact in their lives. Hopefully, and help our team. Um, it was really good. Um, I'm gonna miss that, to be honest. Um, So anyways, this is evident when you see certain Parkinson's uh, patients and some of their tremors or things like that um, that are associated with damage or or kind of lost to the basal ganglia and and kind of the motor activity input and sequences and things like that. The other part of the brain is the cerebellum um, that's involved in implicit memories. So separate structure near the rear base of the brain. Most important in fine motor skills, um, the type that allows us to use chopsticks, play the piano, um, use keys, more kind of smaller finite movements. Again, a key, key role though. Um, So they cite a well-studied example of cerebral motor learning is the vestibular ocular reflex, which lets us maintain our gaze on a location as we rotate our heads. So for example, let's say, where I'll use a boxing example. Um, I'm slipping a jab and a cross, but I'm moving my head while I'm doing that. My ability to keep my eyes on the opponent and kind of lock that in. Um, Vestibular ocular reflex, which is pretty cool. Uh, Maybe even more exaggerated, like being able to turn 90 degrees left to right and maintain uh, awareness uh, of the opponent. Um, And then last um, comes after implicit memory is our working memory. So to recap implicit memory, we have our basal ganglia and our cerebellum and now we're fishing up with our working memory and looking at the prefrontal cortex this is the part of the uh, brain that was most recently evolved and added for mammalian brains at least Um, and the prefrontal cortex is the part of the neocortex that sits at the very front of the brain again most recent addition and it's been highly studying and shown that um when people perform tasks requiring them to hold information in the short-term memory such as location of a flashlight um, this is where the prefrontal cortex will become active and they've seen that in mris um, studying people's brains and again i think that's specifically looking at short term but i'm sure if they saw over the long term that would probably light up as well or maybe a different part responding but still as a part of the working memory um The left uh, side of our prefrontal cortex is more involved in verbal working memory while the right is more active in spatial working memory. So it's remembering where the flashlight um, was would be specifically looking at the right side because spatial awareness, working memory, things like that. Um, And yeah so that's again recapping that's working memory. Again we looked at explicit, implicit, and working memories. And the reason I wanted to kind of break this down, not only I thought it was interesting for me, but also from the application sense of knowing um, certain things that you can do that that is how your brain kind of works anyway. So for example, having an emotion tied with a memory, trying, um, I tie that in in training and and utilizing that to bring out like, hey, if we know we need energy, let's pull this emotion and pull from it until, you know, it's no longer a source of energy anymore. So anyways, I think it's interesting to be able to just try and leverage that or also know like, okay, if the hippocampus has to fire up when we're looking at explicit memories, how also can I activate my hippocampus when I'm learning things or doing something new um, and leverage that and take advantage of that or different variations of that. But I just thought it was cool. I hope you guys enjoy it and I will check you on the next podcast. Peace, y'all. So I just wanted to say thank you guys again for